You're listening to the Mini Market Podcast presented by Tellum Sports. Welcome back to the Mini Market Podcast. I'm Dalton here with Lucas, Isaiah, and Connor. The last couple of weeks, we've been pretty heavy with the analysis, and we want to have some fun on this podcast. So we've got some new segments today we're going to try out, and we're excited to get this thing going. Guys, how are we doing? Things are good, baby. We're back. I think that people are, I think everyone's going <laughs> to like what we're doing this week. This is going to be a fun mix up. I'm, I'm pretty jacked for it. Yeah, I've been looking forward to it all week. So let's yeah. get it rolling. So, what's new in the Minnesota sports world since we last recorded? The Wolves won a game. Let's go. Oh. It's been a, it's, it's been a turbulent time for the Timberwolves. They've lost some heartbreakers. Um, I'm looking at you and Orlando game. <laughs> But realistically, like Atlanta games, those those are tough losses. I, I think those almost hurt. I mean, the, the Orlando one hurts a lot because it's like a game you should win. And then there was that sense of entitlement from a team that has literally won nothing ever. That's so frustrating as a fan to watch a team think that they can walk into a stadium and just like sleepwalk through a game and win when they have zero, like two wins on the season. I think that for me was what made that game probably the most frustrating. But just to get shredded by Atlanta a couple of times hurts. Um, there's been that little bit of chatter that we were talking about with Flip Saund- or Ryan Saunders. Is he going to stick around? It's starting to get a little bit louder. Um, and from the media, too. Yeah, it's, it's been a lot. Like, and Twitter especially. Like, people are like ready to totally get rid of him. Um, I actually saw a funny tweet from this guy. He was like, the Wolves lost like a really bad game. It was, the, it was after the second Atlanta game. And then um, he was like, he was like, how do we not fire Saunders after a game like this? But yet we'll fire Thibodeau after a 20 point win against the Lakers. And I was like, that's a funny concept. The idea of like making a coaching decision on a day by day, game by game basis. I, I really like that. That idea of like literally every game you're coaching for your job. And if you don't win, you're fired. We got the next guy up. We're ready to go. That was that guy's thought process. It was like nothing had happened in the Thibodeau era beyond that one win against the Lakers on the night that he got fired because he was a rock star. He was solid. He was making great decisions. Everybody in the organization loved him. There were no other circumstances that led to his firing besides his on-court performance in that one game. I just love the idea of the beginning of the season and Gerson Rosas just um, just calls up like four people, be like, hey, um, the third game we lose, you're in, baby. The third bad loss we have this year, you're in. Like we got ducks in a row, ready to replace the next the next coach. We're going game by game all season, and we're ready to fire you whenever. And by the way, we got guys in the waiting. They're just chomping at the bit to get here. <laughs> and I'm imagining all four of those guys at practice, like at every practice, drawing up <laughs> schemes of like, okay, when he gets fired, when it's my turn, this is what I'm gonna do. And like they're not talking to each other, and it's like very like gladiator-esque in the coaching realm. I think, you know, there could be something to that. Yeah, it's the way of the new NBA potentially. Analytics. Outside of the Wolves, we had some Twins action for once in the offseason. They signed Jay Happ, classic old pitcher signing by the Twins, but good to bring in a lefty to sort of round out the, the rotation a little bit. Um, at least now they have five viable starters if you think Randy Dobnik's legit. I think he's shown enough where he can be a, he can be a fifth guy. I'm on the Dobnik train. Yeah, I feel like it, it – and it's maybe not a great comparison, but it just kind of feels similar to, like, what the Twins do every year. And maybe 
Hap is a little bit better than normal, but like it feels like the Homer Bailey, um, Rich Hill kind of signing last year, where you get this guy who's like in his late thirties to come in and like he'll probably have a decent season. But it it's still when you're a contending team like the Twins, you kind of want them to just like make the splash. Like you don't have to sign Trevor Bauer, but like you know one of those top five free agent available, even just like top five available recently, like when we signed half, it'd be nice for us to make a little bit of a splash. And instead of trying to get the fourth starter, maybe try to get the second or the third starter would be, um, would be kind of refreshing for the twins, but in a year when they're, they're looking to reduce um, salary and things like that, it probably wasn't realistic. It's just when you're, the twins are kind of in their window right now and you'd love to see them grow out and sign a little bit bigger name, but we'll see. Could have, could have a big season, I think. So. Do you guys think it matters him being a lefty when they signed him? I was like, oh, good. Now the rotation has a left-hander. But then the more I thought about it, I was like, does that even matter at the big league level? Because it's not like they run out matchups really with starting pitchers. And yeah, some teams might hit worse against lefties, but is that really an advantage? I don't know. I've, I've really gone back and forth. Yeah. And, and you're going to have games where it's offsets and you have, he starts against a team that hits lefties really well. It's just like, and he's only going to go four or five innings. I don't know if it really makes that big of an impact. Yeah, to me, it feels like it's it's similar to, or it's almost like a playoff scenario more than anything. Like if you're if you got a team in the playoffs that hits poorly against the lefty, like that's a great guy to start. But in during like the longevity of a professional baseball season, it it doesn't seem super important to me to have like lefties in the rotation. All right, let's hop into our first new segment today. This one's called Player Parallels. So in this segment, we're going to choose a team and a decade. Today it's the 1970s Vikings. And each of us are going to choose one player from that team and that era that we think is most similar to us. Could be for any reason, and then we'll kind of get into why we think that player is most like us. All right, Lou, you lead us off. Which 1970s Viking is your player parallel? Yeah, I'll go I'll go first. So. Uh... I scoured the uh, the '70s rosters pretty pretty heavily to find this guy, and I finally stumbled upon Bill Kappelman. He was drafted in the second round uh, in 1970. Was the backup quarterback. Played in one game. He did not start that game. He had four completions on seven attempts for 49 yards and no touchdowns. Also, no interceptions. Um, so nothing good, nothing bad. Really just, I imagine, took the snap and turned it around and handed it to the running back. Essentially, during my short-lived football career in high school, I was the backup quarterback <laughs> for one year. So it's essentially my stat line. And to top it all off, he was number 17. I was number 17. So just the perfect set, I think. What more do you people want? They had the same number, for God's sakes. <laughs> That's an incredible comp. Also, kind of a a backup move to to compare yourself to a backup there's a there's a certain respect between backup quarterbacks or just backup anything there's a certain respect where you're just like this is my guy you know yeah I, I love the take I think I think it's really great to point out is you're just like this guy was just he just got the job done he didn't do anything special didn't throw a touchdown but you know what he didn't do he didn't ruin it for the team he didn't throw an interception and he was like I'm just a guy who's going to come out here I'm going to do enough to do well. It's going to be a sufficient effort, but it's not going to blow your socks off by any means. Excellent use of the word sufficient there. I think that was spot on. I thought you'd like that. So, yeah, I think I'm probably the world's biggest Bill Kappelman fan uh, going forward. I think they sell his jerseys online anywhere. We could get you one. 
I'm going to have to look. That's that's for sure. I might have to rock that every podcast from now on. Yeah, that would be incredible. All right, I'll, I'll go next. I, uh, I kind of want a different vein. First of all, I'd like to say that comparing myself to any football player feels weird because I think I'm the opposite of a football player. Yeah, get that out of the way early. I appreciate European that. football player. If the grass was too long on the field walking out, I would probably tear my ACL. So <laughs> that's kind of the body that I have. Um, that being said, I'm going with Sammy White, wide receiver, 1976 rookie of the year. He was uh, a stud. He had 51 receptions for 906 yards that year. Had another good year in 81. Got over 1,000 yards. But the reason I picked him is because he kind of got a little bit overlooked in his career. He was, he was an integral part of the offense. But when Ahmad Rashad came onto the scene, it was all anybody could talk about. And it's all anybody remembers. Sammy White has sort of been washed into the background of Vikings lore. And... Uh, you know, as a guy who people don't recognize my talents all the time. So I really wanted to have somebody that I, I see you, Sammy White. I recognize you. I know what you were did and I'm here to prop you up and, and bolster you because you were that dude. You were really good. And uh, he was, you know, it's sort of that Thielen Diggs comparison from a few years back where it was actually Adam Thielen was better than Stefan Diggs for a few seasons there, but people only talked about Stefan Diggs. So that's my Sammy White comp. Also, I'm also Adam Thielen. Yeah, yeah, secondary. there it is. Yeah, we're doing, yeah, so we're doing modern day comparisons. And it's just like, it just fits, you know. I'm a wide receiver at heart. I don't like to do that much. I don't want to touch that many people when I'm on the field. I'm fairly fast, so I want to run. You're not going over the middle. Let me just throw that out there. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, uh, get me out of the slot as quick as we can, pretty much. Well, apparently when they played the Raiders in the Super Bowl, he got destroyed uh on a, a play across the middle knocked his helmet off flew about eight yards according to wikipedia they didn't see him for the rest of the half which that makes sense i wouldn't be back on that field but he did come back later um so that's where the comparison kind of dropped off a little bit because i wouldn't i would just retire at that point <laughs> if my helmet got knocked eight yards doesn't even finish the game just retires mid-game like just walks right off into the sunset yeah yeah leaves the helmet on the field <laughs> I've got another wide receiver comp here for myself. So as I was digging through the uh, through the 70s players, I came across one Kevin Miller. Played in two seasons with the Vikings. Zero starts as a wide receiver. He had one career reception. And you know what? It went for a touchdown. And if you know anything about me, I don't do a lot of things, but what I do, I do well. You're listening to the career NCAA Division Three ERA leader. Oh, God, here we go, here we go. I may have only thrown one inning, but I gave up zero runs. And in my one career season on varsity basketball in high school, four for four from the free throw line. So that's a state leader in free throw percentage. So Kevin Miller, one catch, one touchdown. I mean, we what we do, we do it excellently. So shout out, Kevin. Were those, uh, were both of those, like, your stats from your sophomore years, like one in high school and one in college? Absolutely. Yeah. So, do you know if Kevin Miller peaked early too, or is that is that just you? I peaked around sixteen, <laughs> but I'll take it. <laughs> um. So, last one here. Uh, I think there's obvious, uh, not an obvious choice, but an obvious theme that I was going to go with as the big guy in the group. 
like I was obviously not going with a skill position player. I, I have a take on skill position players too. That's for another time. So not a huge skill position guy yet. So I went with Wally Hilgenberg. Wally was a linebacker for the Vikings pretty much through the entire seventies. He was a starter. Um, he actually had one thing to note about Wally as a linebacker. He had pretty good hands. He had eight picks throughout the seventies. But one thing that's important that I think I can relate to is none of them went farther than 35 yards. So like I've, I view myself as somebody who's like competent with athletics. Like I can catch the ball, but I'm not even doing a 40 yard dash to try to get a touchdown, you know, like 35, that's the cap. And that just screams to me. He's slow. Like if you get like past 20 yards, you probably have a little space and somebody for sure caught him. Um, So I, I appreciate that. But I also love the fact that, one of his picks was a 14 yard pick six. So that's what we like to call efficiency right there. Pick the ball off in the, in your red zone and just walk it in basically. Um, You know, I like to think of my, myself as pretty consistent guy and Wally played in 13 or more games in eight of the 10 seasons for the Vikings. So this is a guy who sickness and health, you know, playing hurt, playing injured, he's going to be out there doing the best he can to get the job done. One, I think, important thing to note about Wally, he was a fourth-round pick from Iowa. I kind of look like a guy who could be a fourth-round pick from Iowa. But more than that, I think fourth-round pick would be a great comparison to the way I dress. I think we can all agree there's nothing flashier upscale about the way I dress. Like, I mean, do I have dress clothes? Yes, I do. But they haven't seen the light of day in months, obviously. And fourth round feels like a guy who wears sweatpants, honestly, maybe even when he got drafted, I like to think he was probably in some sweatpants or Wranglers out on the farm in Iowa. Um, Or maybe some Zubas, some Zubas. I mean, I have never been more confident in anything in my life than that. Wally Hilgenberg was wearing Zubas at some point in or after his career. You know, I think he's probably a guy who wore khakis and polos to Christmas being a fourth round pick. You kind of are a hardy guy. That's definitely me. Also, he's from Iowa. I was so boring. And I think that one thing you could say about my outfit, it is bland like Iowa and boring. So there's that. Another point that I have, he's from a small town. You know who else is in a small town? You got it, viewers. This old boy. Now, my town's slightly bigger, humble brag, than his was. But at the same time, we do have that similarity. One thing, too, about him is he was one of 11 players that was a part of all four Viking Super Bowls. And you're kind of probably sitting there like, why does this relate to Connor? Well, we lost all those Super Bowls, and I've never been a big win-at-all kind of guy. So in my athletic career, never won a championship. Him, he's been close, never won one either. So that's perfect. Um, he played both ways in college, which is a true testament to athleticism. I'm not going to say it's the same thing for me, but in 10th grade football, there was a guy that played both ways, offensive line and outside linebacker. Kind of a question mark at coaching to put me at outside linebacker. Let's just say the end arounds were busting for big yards. Uh, and so I actually had a game in high school where I played every single snap, special teams. So another brag on my part. Um, so I like to compare that, you know, a guy that plays both ways. Further, he's 6'3", 230. I played high school sports at about 6'2", 230. So we're basically the same guy. Um, He had a phenomenal hairline while he was playing. If you get a chance to look at the pictures, he had a pretty sweet fro. 
and uh and everybody who knows me knows i take a lot of pride in my hair we're gonna tweet out a side by side later on after the show yeah. i will say different style of hairs but we both had you know some salad um and and his tops player card this is kind of an interesting point you could buy his tops player card for a dollar 45 i honestly believe if I sold the top player card of myself, it would be in the ballpark of $1.45. Final, finally, my last point, Chuck Foreman once blamed Hilgenberg for a hangover that he had at practice one morning because he went out and turned up with Hilgenberg the night before. And from a personal standpoint, as a guy who didn't get his first hangover until after college and hangover is still a loose term there, I don't even think it was one. Um, I love the idea of some poor saps out there thinking, yeah, I actually drank with Connor one time and I was so hungover in the next morning and he woke up and he was fine. <laughs> and I'm mostly looking at Lucas right now. I can, I was going to say, I can attest to that. Yeah, that was a personal attack <laughs> on Lucas big time. Jeez. Okay. So what I'm hearing Connor is that you were just born in the wrong era. Yeah. I really did miss the boat by a little bit. Like I, I think he was a pretty big guy, like 6'3 in the 70s. Seems like somebody who was pretty good sized. So, yeah. The one that got away was me being born about 50 years earlier. That was thorough. I got to give it to you. You were, you were all in tops cards, wow. all in his mugshot. Dang, man. You got down a rabbit hole for sure. <laughs> Jeez. All right. Let's hop into everybody's favorite segment, over-unders. So we did this our first podcast. We're going to do it again some sort of prop style over-unders related to anything Minnesota sports. And we're all going to give our takes, whether we'd go over, under. All right. First over-under. The number of players on the Twins opening day roster that are not currently on the team. Four and a half. So trades, free agent acquisitions, you name it. Four and a half players on the opening day roster that are not currently in the Twins system. Uh, I'm going to take the over. I still feel like they have some holes in their bullpen that they need to fill and uh there's a possibility that they might try to get uh one to two utility players as well so i think that'll that'll get us to the over yeah i completely agree i said over two i think they need two utility guys a couple pitchers and then uh kind of a sneaky one is we also need a dh because nelson cruz is still unsigned so he'll be back i uh <laughs> I would like to say over, um, but just the way they've been doing things, I'm going to go under. They've been pretty dormant. It feels like they haven't done a ton in free agency so far. Um, I guess I'm comparing that to the White Sox, who seem to be just getting every single guy they can possibly find out there. Yeah, I actually so, tried to put out a flyer to get signed by the White Sox, but apparently they're not looking for just anybody. So. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going under, too. I, I think the guys they do add might be big. They might you know, sign a big bat maybe a shortstop rather than a utility guy and slide Polanco to, to the utility position. Um, and then maybe a relief arm, but I think three or four, I would rather have them go big with fewer guys than sign like six mediocre players, but I'd take the under. You remember we're talking about the twins, right? A guy can dream. A guy can dream. <laughs> Dalt, any uh, predictions on who those big bats might be? I think they might trade for a shortstop. I think they might add Trevor Story or Javi Baez. Ooh. sell some prospects, pick up a, a big-time shortstop for cheap because both of those guys will be free agents after the season and their squads are looking to cut payroll. So they might be willing to take, you know, one or two of our top 
seven prospects. And I would, I would do that if I were the Twins. I think your winning window is sort of closing. So I'd go all in because we have a sort of a core of guys who have one year left of arbitration. And then Taylor Rogers, Tyler Duffy, Byron Buxton, those guys are all going to need to be signed as free agents. And that's going to be a lot of money that the Polads are not going to be willing to spend. Yeah, I think for a little more on that article, just uh, check out or, or a little more on that topic. Just check out Dalt's, uh, Dalt's piece on the Tellum Sports page. He wrote a good article kind of talking about making a big move. So Tellumsports.com, T-E-L-L-E-M sports.com. All right, second over under, going wild. 27 and a half wins on the season. It's a 56 game season. Connor, you're the, you're the wild guy. You have the formula to get to the playoffs. What do you say? 27 and a half wins. Yeah, uh, to Dalt's point, I wrote an article about this topic. So I will say uh, I think it's over. I think they're going to be in the ballpark of 30 or 32 wins. Way over. Because I'm starting to see them as a, as a bit of a playoff team. So I think that Ooh. in order to get in the playoffs, they're going to have to uh, they're going to have to win about 30 or 32 games and then have a couple overtime losses in there. So. Yeah, Connor, I'm, I'm with you. I think you got me sold. Uh, I was looking at your little breakdown, and you've got the eight games apiece against the California teams, and we're looking at... Dominate California. Dominate California. You you think you get... How many wins do you get out of that? 20? 18? Yeah, I, I think, yeah, I think about 18, and then a couple extra points with, like, overtime losses, potentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think... That'll that'll basically get you to the over if you can if you can hold serve against the Cali Bros. Yeah, yeah, dude. One hundred percent in agreement. Over. I like the way they're playing, especially with those eight games against each of the Cali teams. I think we gotta hit the over on this one. Yep, I'm drinking the Kool Aid too. Overs all around. That number needs to be adjusted. Somebody call Vegas. Somebody call Vegas. Let's go back to the Twins here for another one. Number of players in the upcoming season with 20 Bombas. Over-under set at six and a half. Lou, what do you have for us? I'm going under. I, uh, I took a, a good look at the roster, and I think if I think the closest it'll be is six guys that can do it. Um, in Garver, Donaldson, Polanco, Sano, Kepler, and Buxton. I think those are the six guys who have the best shot. Are you, so you're not counting Cruz because he's not signed? You don't think they'll sign him? As of now, yeah. And you don't think the replacement DH will be able to hit 20 home runs? Yeah, I think that I think that's the one spot that's kind of like the pivot point on this. Like, because I I had yeah like you know you know Garver, Donaldson, Kirloff, Kepler, DH. You know, there's I think there's enough where if enough guys have a good season, I I went with the over, but I think about seven is probably the number. So just slightly over. Yeah, this one's scary because when you look at the list of guys, I, I agree with you, Lou. It's, it's close to six, close to seven. When you look at the list, it's like three of them could be hurt too for like half right. a year. When you look at Buxton, Donaldson, and Sano, like you don't even know how many games those guys are going to play. Um, I think Garver's going to have a better year. At least I hope he will. He can't have a um, worse year. Trying to get back on track. That is true. Got to play, true. yeah. Um, I was just going to say, um, <clears throat> looking at that list too, I see a lot of bombers, but I see a lot of strikeouts. Get over it. Modern MLB. Yeah. yeah, move forward. Adapt or die. I also think one thing that could play into this is the number of games that they end up playing. Um, that could be an issue for the over. But you know what? I'm on it, baby. Over still. I'm taking under injuries. 
I'm going over. I think they're going to get a DH that can hit 20, and I'm leaning into the sign a shortstop or trade for a shortstop. And I think uh, you get sto- or Story, you get Baez. I think one of those guys will hit 20 bombs. So let's hit the over. Next up, kind of a pseudo-Vikes question. So stick with me here. So the number of Super Bowls won by a former's, former Vikings coach as a head coach in the next 10 years. So guys like Stefanski, Mike Tomlin, Eric Bieniemy, former Vikes coach. How many Super Bowls will be won by former Vikings coaches as head coaches in the next 10 years? Over under set at one and a half. I'm going to go under on this one. Uh, I don't see like Tomlin getting one and, and Stefanski maybe could get one. I just, it's going to be hard for him when he's going to have to try to go through a pretty tough AFC right now with the chiefs looking like they're going to be solid for another 10 years. I can't imagine the Patriots will be down for that long. Like they're the Patriots. Bill Belichick will get them, get them right again. Even like the Baltimore Ravens have a pretty good core that's going to go for the next couple of years. So I think it's going to be tough. Uh B could be depending on where he gets a head coaching job. I think he should have been hired this year or still should be hired this off season. He seems like he's, he's a pretty legit person for a head coach. And uh, I think next year he'll get hired. So it depends where he ends up, but I'm still going to take the under. I am going to hit the over on this one. Um, I think Stefanski is, is a very good coach. He obviously turned the Browns around big time. They had a great year this year. So I think in the next 10 years, I think he wins one. Um, I think Biennemi is going to win one because as Connor said, he's a very up and coming coach. And I think he's just one of the top offensive minded coaches out there. And that's kind of what wins, wins Super Bowls based on the Chiefs recipe last year. And then I do think Tomlin's a really good coach too, um, where maybe not with Pittsburgh, but I think he's always kind of in the mix and ha- has his team kind of in a position to, to at least make a playoff run. So I think it's definitely over. I think I'm hitting over too, because there's a chance that Andy Reid retires and Biennemi sticks with the Chiefs. And like Connor was saying, Chiefs are legit. You have Mahomes, you have a chance. So Great point. I think that's an option. Don't forget about our guy, Leslie Frazier. Name has been floated around, old Leslie. <laughs> nah, oh, no. Nah. Next. <laughs> Someone no, mute him. I think the enemy wants a pretty good take, actually. But uh, yeah, we'll have to see how that shakes out. Can Andy Reid retire? I think he's a lifetime coach. I think he's going to die on the field with a cheeseburger in hand. That's a low blow. <laughs> big guy to big guy. I, I, so I'm going to take the under with Connor on this one. I think that the enemy is a good coach, but that. I mean, when you look at that roster, you'd have to be a bad coach not to be able to score with them. They have so many weapons, and you have, like, the best quarterback in the league. And even if he does stay with the Chiefs, they're going to run into that point where they can't pay everybody pretty soon. Like, that's going to happen fairly soon, and then it'll be interesting to see if he's as effective without a full roster of absolute, like, studs. Um, and then if he does leave, it takes, like, a couple years to get your feet like settled, I think as a new coach, it's, it's hard to like turn things around right away. And if we're looking at a 10 year window drops out a few years. And I just, at this point, I can't see the Browns winning a super bowl ever. That's a tough visual. No offense to the Browns. I like the Browns, but just like try to close your eyes, really think about this. Imagine the Browns winning a super bowl, like hoisting that trophy. It's, it's just impossible to do. Who wins it first Browns or Vikes? Ah. Honestly, I'm going to go Vikes because the only Super Bowl that the Browns are seeing is my toilet. 
All right, last one. Moving into some Gophers football. There were rumors in the last couple days linking P.J. Fleck to the Tennessee Volunteers head coaching job. Not sure how much truth there is to those rumors. Don't do it, P.J. But the number of seasons left with P.J. Fleck as the Gophers head coach, over-under set at three and a half. Don't, why don't you kick this one off? Yeah, I'm taking the over. I think he's got some good recruiting classes coming in, and I think he's going to want to work with those guys. I still think he's too gimmicky for a huge program to come after him. I don't think like Texas, Florida, USC is going to want to row the boat with P.J. Fleck. And Minnesota's got some good facilities. Big Ten team, they're contenders. I think he sticks around. Maybe based on their recent successes or lack of teams like Texas, Tennessee, and USC should be trying to row the boat because those are becoming like jokes right now. And I think I'm with the over two and I, cause I think this Tennessee thing is like bogus. Like I think they still think they're like one of the elite football organizations or teams or whatever, and they just aren't. And so they think they can grab whoever from wherever, and they just don't have that pull. They have not been good in a very long time. Couldn't agree more. I think that's shown with some of their previous hirings. Like I think it was Shiano that like was supposed to go there and then like backed out late. Like people, Tennessee still thinks this is like, still thinks Peyton Manning is an incoming recruit or something. And they're going to be like this big powerhouse, but the window is closed on them. I'm still going over. I think one thing with PJ, he's a Midwest guy. I think he, he like really loves the big 10. I think he, he's always said Minnesota is a sleeping giant. I think he actually believes that like Minnesota can be special um, he's got good recruiting classes coming in, like, like you guys have said. And also like he, I think he needs to go to or win a Rose bowl before leaving. Like, I think he's a big, I'm going to accomplish something that's going to scream. Like you have to hire me before leaving. Like, I think taking Western Michigan from one and 11 to 12 and 0 and winning their conference title was his thing. And then he was like, okay, I'm ready to leave. I think we need to go to a Rose bowl or win a Rose bowl for him to actually be ready to leave. And, and I think that's still maybe three, four years away. So I'm, I'm going to go over as well. Over's all around kind of the same thing. I think he's just building Minnesota. He's kind of putting them back on the map, honestly. Um, and I think just like Connor said, he's not quite done with that full full turnaround for the uh, for the ghosts yet. So I'm going over. Is anyone scared of the possibility that Michigan knocks on his door? Would he leave for Michigan if they asked? I don't know. I don't think so. Again, I think Michigan's in the similar conversation that USC and Texas are. I don't know if they're ready as a, as a college to go with the gimmicky route, which I hate to call it a gimmick, but it, it kind of is um, the whole row the boat thing. I don't think they're ready for that. Motivating your team is a gimmick, Connor. I don't yeah. know. Well done. Well done. <laughs> well, well done. Well done. But I also would like to say one thing about what Lou was talking about, putting us back on the map. You know, it's great having game day here. Um, Lou and I went to game day. It was such a blast. It's fun to see Corso put on the gopher head. I think the gopher mascot is like a really great mascot. Like it's, it's goofy, but it's like a fun, fun, cool little thing. Love to see game day coming to Minnesota. And a lot of that has to do with PJ Flex energy, his culture, and, you know, just getting an oar in the water and rowing the boat. One year left of eligibility, PJ, one year. Rah, rah, rah. <laughs> Elite hyper. But you don't want to run the field right at the end of the quarter. <laughs> that's true. That's a big, that's a big bug. We better be on the 50. Yeah. Last I checked, that's more than 35 yards. I'm sweating, thinking about it.
All right, that does it for over-unders. We're going to move on to a new segment called Podcast Podiums. We're going to throw out a topic and discuss, and each of us are going to decide what our podiums are, our top three for that given topic. This week's topic is best names in Minnesota sports history. So let's each throw out some of our favorite names, and then we can discuss, and each of us choose our top three. Okay, so I have a few, I had a few criteria as I was going through my list of all of the rosters in Minnesota sports history. Um, I had kind of three things that I like. One is the test, the litmus test of would I start a my player 2K or MLB the show character with this name? So is it a good enough name for me to want to play 12 straight seasons, win a few finals MVPs with this name? Um, second is I love alliteration. Alliteration just, oh, it's perfect. If you don't like alliteration, preach, preach. If you don't like alliteration, this is not the podcast for you. Yeah, get the hell out. And third was if you can get to the point where your nickname is your first name on a official roster sheet, yep. I'm all in on that. So with that being said, I'll throw out my, f- my first idea of a name that I really liked. He was a twins pitcher back in the day. Mudcat Grant. Yes, Mudcat. Yeah, that was that one was for sure on everybody's list, I think. Nothing better. Did anybody know Mudcat's real first name? Didn't have one. That was the birth name. And I'm sure of it. That would be that would fall into the category of irrelevant information. It does not matter. <laughs> all right, I can go next here then. Um so the first name I had, I guess, first of all, my criteria. So a couple of things I was thinking of is I, I was like, oh, I want to think of some creative names. Um, again, this is a, we're a pro alliteration podcast. We love it. Uh, mm-hmm. We live for it. And so there's no doubt that was part of it. Uh, I wanted one, and this kind of goes with alliteration, but I wanted one, or I wanted some that were fun to say, you know, where you just kind of get excited to say them. And then the last thing was, uh, could I grab a beer with a guy with this name? And to, to go right off of that, the first one I have, also a Twins player, outside of being an all-time great twin, anyone who has a nickname that just is a dominant nickname, like Harmon, Killer, Killer Brew, I mean, you're doing something right. And I put all the stats aside, put the fact that he might be the greatest twin ever aside. I mean, Harmon, first of all, it's a name that means consistency, pleasing, and orderly. As a type A personality, you want somebody who's orderly. You want a pleasing name. Now, I'll tell you, hey, ladies, um, when you're looking for a mate, you're looking for somebody that's pleasing. And then finally, consistency. That was Harmon Killebrew. The dude is a rock. And also, you know, I just think that when you get to the point where your last name becomes a root beer, you're doing something right. Harmon Killebrew root beer, whether how you like it or not, Personally, not a root beer guy, but I think it's pretty cool that the guy has his own line of root beer. And then lastly, I mean, Killa Brew. Two just sweet syllables. I love it. I'm all in on it. And then you add in the fact that his nickname is Killer and he hit tons of home runs. Thanks. It's yeah. just, it's so perfect. Here's a little fun activity for all you young kids out there like us. Go ask your grandpa how what's the farthest home run they've ever seen hit as a Minnesota sports fan, and they will tell you Harmon Kilbrew hit it from Bloomington to Mon- or to, to Mankato. Guaranteed, everyone thinks Harmon hit like 700-foot home runs, and I'm not a guy that says he didn't. So, 
And a guy named Pete Reynolds, no one would care how far he, they would not exaggerate home run distances for a Pete Reynolds. A Harmon Killebrew does hit 700 foot home runs. Yeah. And hell, I'll grab a beer with the Killebrew. These aren't alliteration, but I just want to rip off some names here quick of the, uh, some, some old Vikes. Shout out to Jim Brim, Bob Cobb, and Ahmad Rashad. Yeah, Ahmad Rashad for sure. Yeah. Yeah, love a good rhyming name. I, I'll toss in Randall McDaniel there too for those guys. Yeah, gotta have him. Gotta have him. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I kind of went with a similar approach as you guys. Uh, the big thing for me was I just got to like saying the name, and I'll probably say it more than one time. So my first guy is going to be Wally Zerbiak. Yep, had him on mine too. He's a top three. Okay, so I, I knew Wally Zerbiak was going to show up on this list, and I have a rebuttal for Wally Zerbiak. It's AJ okay. Brzezinski, and it's Doug Mankiewicz. Distinguish the difference between those three names. All right, I would like to take a stab at the rebuttal then, because Wally was actually number two on my list. And I think, so who is it? Doug Mankiewicz, AJ Brzezinski. First of all, Wally. Yeah, it's a first name. That's thing. a great name. Wally is good. It's, it's also, I think it's just a fun guy. Like yeah. let's go into my grab a beer with a guy named Wally. I can probably think that I'll just grab a town and say somewhere out there in let's say War Road, Minnesota. I bet there's a Wally at the local pub drinking a beer right now. I love that name. Also, you tell me another name that can put four consonants at the beginning before even thinking about adding a vowel. There's not a lot of names out there that can slide in four consonants before even thinking about sliding in a vowel into that name. That's pretty great. Not to mention two Z's. Two Z's. The, and what other word has two Z's that comes to mind? Buzz, which is also a fun name and a fun thing to say. So I'm a big Wally Zerbiak guy. I love Okay, it. if we're going if we're going two Z's, do we like Shabazz's? The Shabazz, Muhammad, Shabazz, Napier? Or it's two Z's not the factor. It's everything combined. I think I think I, I don't hate the names, but they're certainly not top names. It's everything for me. Do you have any other, other names for us? Uh, yeah, another one uh, just mentioned, Ahmad Rashad. Love the uh, – just it sounds – it's fun to say. It's I mean, you can't just say Ahmad Rashad once. you got to say Ahmad Rashad at least two or three times. Uh, and then my last one is uh, Booth Bonzer. Just yeah. any kind of name you, get, you can say at the stage. And you get Oof. exactly you get everyone in the stadium not sure if they're actually booing the guy because he was kind of a so-so but or he was just you're just so excited that he's out on the field that you get to, to chant his name and like what is boof as a name is that <laughs> like what is that like one of those where it's like it's his, the nickname that his mom gave him when he was like a half a year old and it just stuck and his real name is like aaron his name is Aaron Bonzer, but he's been boof since. No, his name is could... John. John Paul Bonzer. I just that. Come on. I like boof better. It's got alliteration and it's got nickname as a first name. When I was going through this list to try to find some good names, I knew the old school baseball was where you hit it. So I was going deep in the archives and I found some gems back in the day. 1909, Twins first baseman, Jiggs Donahue. Gotta love a guy named Jiggs. Then we've got Chief Youngblood, yep. pitcher from 1922. Chief Youngblood, that's like, I mean, that could be a SoundCloud rapper's name. I was going to say, are we sure that's yeah. not a, a hip-hop artist right now? <laughs> yeah, slinging it. Bull Durham, people forget, pitch for the Twins, 1907. People forget. And then finally, 
Uh, actually, the Senators, but Senators, okay. Senators, Twins, Twins franchise. <laughs> We're going Twins franchise here. I, I will say I started in '61 when the Twins started, but I did too. Ooh. I won't be the thorn in the side because the old time names are the best, and as a Minnesota fan, we don't get those because nothing came here before '61. I think. All right. Nope. Then but my list going. is done. Continue. I don't have any more names. I'm out of names. I'm out of names. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I I, uh, I got one more at least. Okay, I'm lying. I have like four more, but I have one more that I really would like to defend here, and it's Captain Munnerlin. I think a name like Captain is just a must in a great sports name of all time list. Like, I love that you can mistake this guy's name for the head person on a boat. I think that being a captain on a boat is probably one of the most dominant roles in all of life. Like you're literally basically in your own country. Cause like at this point, if you want somebody overboard, you're drowned, they're dead, right? Like you just chuck them overboard. I mean, do we do that? Maybe not, but you have so much control. You're basically this, a dictator in a country on water, which is pretty sick. So I think that's awesome. As a professional athlete, you want a dominant name like that. And I think this hits it out of the park. Um, I kind of like the last name Munderland. It feels like it just falls out of your mouth a little bit. Like you're not even trying to say anything. You're just Munderland. And, um, and I also dig that. Lastly, I think that it sounds like this could be like the last name Munderland could be like the Duke of something in England. Like, I think it sounds like kind of dignified a little bit like the Duke of York, Mr. Munderland. So I think there's a lot of, uh, a lot of, a lot of players in the name Captain Munderland, which I love. That is a good one. One that kind of last name that kind of feels like it falls out of your mouth a little bit is uh, Michael Olo. The candy man. Yep. <gasps> love yeah. the candy man. Oh, love that one. Um, another one that I had that I liked a lot that it was, it, this one is like almost the opposite. Luke. Rashad Mba Amute like a guy's name that takes 30 seconds to say is fun like it's just like could the a worst nightmare for someone trying to do a play-by-play and if you're trying to sneak in a full name for some reason that's the last guy you pick I think it's a fun challenge because it also is just like kind of choppy with like two first names that's wild I just think that one's a little fun how about an old Vikings name center Mick Tinglehoff First of all, a guy named Mick. Yeah. Just hearing that name's making me tingle half a bit. <laughs> a guy named Mick, you just know, tough guy. He's the kind of guy who's going to, you know, take you out back behind the bar and just sock it to you. You don't talk bad to yeah. Mick when you're in a bar. But then the last name Tinglehoff, I bet, you know, Mick, Mick had it rough in elementary school. So he had to get tough, had to get gritty, and now he's a Hall of Fame center. So shout out Mick Tinglehoff. Hey, good for you, man. Against all odds, you made it, Mick. I, lo- I love the name Mick. I think Mick's a great first name. Agreed. And my middle school bully brain just, like, made up five <laughs> Tinglehoff-related nicknames <laughs> in, like, in the yep. second you said it. So, yeah, that's a, that's a quality name. I would love to see Ike as a middle school bully because I think we all know how small he was. He was bullying school. second graders. <laughs> M- mental bully. Mental bully. Yep, you got to play the deep game. I got I got one that was sort of like Bahamute, but not quite as good. But it was Randy St. Clair, kind of a fun little last name. And I thought that is the perfect name for a guy in witness protection, a Randy St. Clair. <laughs> like, it's just a not really that much to it. But somebody at the FBI had a bit of a sense of humor. They liked that one. And they said, you know what, we'll give it to this guy. 
<laughs> and good on him hopping in the winter witness protection program and still making it to the league. That's just great to see. Um, a similar point with those two. Uh, I had Pierre Marc Bouchard, uh, an old wild Love player. It. First of all, he was a he was an electric factory to watch. Like he was the guy who did like the spin move in the shootout. But more than that, I mean, we oui, we oui. is there a more French name than Pierre Marc Bouchard? <laughs> I almost got peanut butter stuck on my mouth just thinking about it right now. Okay, so I was going through um, alliterations names that I liked, but then I had like these head-to-head matchups, so that canceled out. Gary Gaetti was one that I just love to say. Gary Gaetti <laughs> is a great yeah. alliteration of a name, um, but it gets a little bit flooded by Greg Gagne. So you got Gary Gaetti and Greg Gagne. How do I decide which one's better? Impossible. And then similar to that is Jock Jones, another great alliteration name, a little bit of French in there for you. But then you've got a guy who played on his team on the opposite side of the outfield, Shannon Stewart, which is another great alliteration name. And so I'm starting to get to this point where it's like, there's too many good alliteration names. Here's a question for everyone. Is Shannon a boy's name or a girl's name? Shannon's a hot name. That's what it is. That's all that matters. That's true. (laughs) True. Are we giving no love to Fran Tarkington? Another uh, ambiguous, is it a boy's name or a girl's name? But is it, <laughs> uh, my great aunt Franny would say it's a girl's name. That's for sure. All right. So what do we think? We've got a, what, a hundred names out there. <laughs> I'd like to rattle off a couple more here just for, just for a sake. I think one thing that I don't know if we gave enough love to was there's a lot of great Italian sports names. And I don't know if we, maybe we just don't have that. Maybe there was a blockade in management in the good old day. And they were like, don't hire Italians. But um, one that I did see, the first name's boring, Steve. The last name, Lombardozzi. Now that's a fun last name. Got the Z's again. Yeah, the double Z's. Okay, I kind of found my weakness, I guess, in this. Um, so that's a good one. I had uh, Corey Kosky. Some alliterations, fun. Um, Cal Clutterbuck, Nino Nito, Nino Neater Rider. That's just a tricky one to say. And then just would like to throw out Charlie Conway, go Ducks. So those were good. Okay, so I've got. Um, uh, I was noticing a trend as I was going through my l- list of names, and there's quite a few good porn names um, as you go through the list. And I'm just gonna kind of rattle them off. So we first we got Scott Diamond, rock hard. Uh, Scott Studwell, um, Greg DeLong. <laughs> Uh, you got Jimmy Hitchcock, you got Rod Davis, and then don't mind if I do. And this one might take the cake, but it's Dick Woodson. And those are just <laughs> yeah. that's a good list of porn names. If you're looking to start a new career, just you know throw a dart at this board and you'll hit something solid. I've got the opposite of a porn star name. Uh, this is going back to the uh, Washington Senators days. But how would you guys pronounce the last name W E I K Week? Because there was a guy named Dick Week pitcher for the washington nationals that's a tough break for old, uh, old mama and papa week you can't name your son dick or richard if your last name is weak yeah once he got once he got a little more famous i'm sure he started going by richard real quick you know that guy spent his whole life saying no no it's pronounced wike it's wike yeah it's, it's wike sir all right we've covered a lot of names but i need everyone's top three so give me your podium of minnesota sports names Okay, I'm just going to rattle off my top three. I feel like we might not be in agreement on any of these, but my, my third favorite name of Minnesota sports is Ricky Rubio. I think the alliteration is great, and I've never met a guy who looks more like his name than Ricky. Like He just looks like a Ricky. He feels like a Ricky. It matches his play style. Like It's kind of fun. It's a little bit out there. 
Um, I love a good Y at the end of a name. So Ricky Rubio is in my top three. Then I got my number two. This one goes into the nicknames. It's, it's hard to say Rubio without just smiling a little bit. Like the name just, it's just a fun love. And name. then you have that little like presser from before he came here. And he's like, my name is a Ricky Rubio. And I'm not like anybody else. <laughs> like, it's just, you just want to like a guy named Ricky. Ricky Rubio. Um, and then you got number two for me is twin slugger, Chili Davis. <laughs> Chili Davis, great name. You could start a business Chili. with name Chili Davis, guaranteed. Yeah, I got an idea what you're serving. Corn dogs, Jackie, for all these people. <laughs> and then uh, my top one, Connor, you mentioned it. You kind of tossed it out there, um, but I don't think we hit on it enough. But it's actually, for me, it's Cal Clutterbuck. I think the last name Clutterbuck is really fun to say. Middle school bully knows how to finish that one off. Um, yeah, you could also <laughs> slide that into porn with a simple yep, whoopsies, yep. delete, find, re- replace there. But for me, the the kicker that puts it above like a name like Nino Niederreiter, which you also said is Cal. I think Cal is the ultimate sportsman first name. If your name is yeah. Cal, you will be playing sports your entire life. Like you don't do anything else if your name is Cal. Like imagine a Cal who is on Broadway doesn't exist imagine a famous artist named cal it doesn't exist imagine a beautiful talented guitarist named cal it doesn't exist if your name is cal you're playing sports it doesn't matter which one but you will be playing sports and it won't be soccer i think a sportsman too like i think a cal is a guy who if i went into cal clutterbuck's closet and didn't find some camel i'd be a little off put like i think cal's a guy who kills other beings not human beings hopefully but I think he's a hunter. I think he's a fisher. I think pretty much anything that's in the sports or sportsman realm, a cow is going to be playing it. Retweet. Connor, what are your top three? My top three, I kind of went through them. So uh, Harmon Kilbrew, great name. There's just so much versatility with that name. Wally Zerbiak, again, when you can fit in like four consonants before even blinking an eye at a vowel is just phenomenal. And Captain Munderland. Just a dominant name, maybe a little, maybe a little uh, English input on that too. I've got a name we haven't mentioned yet at number three: Timberwolves legend Cherokee Parks. Cool name, Cherokee Parks. <laughs> that is really cool. It sounds more like a place you're going to go visit on a family vacation than a than a person, but it's pretty cool. And then I've got Mick Tinglehoff at two and Mudcat Grant at one. I mean, a guy named Mudcat can't miss. I had that. One, yeah, Lou. I, uh, I've got uh, Wally Zerbiak, number one, uh, Ahmad Rashad, number two, and then good old Boof Bonzer bringing up the rear number three with a um, honorable mention for Mr. Mick Tinglehoff. Well, there we have it. All of our podiums of Minnesota sports names. An all-time list. Wow. A lot of good ones there. We will be tweeting out these lists. We'd love it if you listeners responded with your top three podiums for minnesota sports names all time and maybe you could vote see which one you like best absolutely all right check us out tell them sports follow us on twitter check us out tell them leave us a rating or review on apple Podcasts or spotify the mini market pod don't forget to tune in next week see ya peace I'll never get those 20 minutes back in my life.